This is Mom Goals. With world-class professional soccer player, Allie Long. Pervy Padia is the creative director and founder of Pervy Padia Design, a residential interior design firm based in New York City. In 2018, Pervy and her husband, Harsh Padia, teamed up with UNICEF USA to launch Project Lion, which helps to improve the lives of orphaned and displaced children in India. Pervy also has two children of her own. This is my awesome conversation with Pervy Padia, and there may be a surprise guest. You're basically like the mom of all moms. You have like 1.5 children in India. Um, Not really, but just with your like foundation and everything. Can you just explain the origin of that story and and how you started Project Lion? Yeah, sure. So I am of Indian descent. And though even though I grew up in America, we traveled back to India a lot when I was a kid. And I, you know, loved those trips so much. But at like some point, probably I think I was like seven years old. And I, all of a sudden, like something happened and like these trips, like just totally switched on me. And instead of seeing like all of the magic and the beauty and the culture of India, like all I could see were like these devastated children on the sides of the road and all these children who didn't have families and children who were starving. Like it's such a country that has so much, so much beauty, but it's also has like such this like if you've never been there, it's so hard to explain, but like devastating poverty. And it's, it can be really, um, it can be jarring. And I think when I was really little, I didn't, it didn't really stay with me. But around when I was seven years old, it really like hit me. And so every year when I would go back, I would like say to my parents, like, we can't just leave these kids, mom. Like, we're just going to leave them here and like go back to like our like normal life and like go to school and go to work. Like nothing's happening. And my mom and my dad were like, you know, like this is how the world is. And I guess, you know, it kind of people normalize it and become like sensitized to it. And I guess I just like never did. And so the older I got, I was like, I've got to like do something about these children, you know? And, and so when I started working with UNICEF about 15 years ago, I joined their board and was always like asking like, what's happening in India? Like, what are we doing for these children? And while UNICEF had a presence in India, it was kind of a very broad presence. There wasn't like specific programming happening. There wasn't like tangible um, reporting going on to really kind of see what what UNICEF was doing. And so they said, come back to us, like come back to us with a proposal of what you want to do and we'll see if we can make it happen. And so I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about how I could do that. And I saw that movie Lion. Um, I think a lot of people have seen it and it was a beautiful movie. And I was like, you know, like this is a really good place to start. There are 1.5 million children in India that don't have families. And it's a big enough number where you can really like dive into it. And it's a small enough number where it's actually kind of manageable, you know? And so I went back to UNICEF and said, this is what I want to focus on. Like, I want to focus on making sure that these children without families have a life that is reasonable, you know, whether that's living in an institution and making sure that they have all of their human rights protected or whether it's about family reunification or whether it's about finding alternative care models to to represent family structures, even if you don't have them, Um, whatever it might be. Like, I want to make sure that these 1.5 million children are given the care that they need. And that was the origin of Project Maya. That's amazing. And at what year did you, what was the year it started? So I went to them, you know, we've been talking about it for a while. And then in 2017 is when I said, this is really what I want to do. And we went back and forth. It took about eight, six to nine months to kind of finalize the plan. Um, and we started implementing in India in 2018. And so the first phase was three and a half years. So it ended 
kind of towards the end of 2021. And then we just started phase two, which started at the beginning of now of this year. And phase one has helped around 600,000 children so far. Yeah, like 678,000 children so far. And um, and phase two is a five-year plan now. Wow. You've done so much in such a short period of time. It's remarkable. I mean, I think I would say that if someone would have told me, you know, when we started that this is where we'd be, I would have been shocked. Like, I think that for all of this to have happened, it was we had such great partnership from the Indian government and from the NGOs on the ground, from the UNICEF field stuff. I mean, everyone just so fully bought into the program. And, I, you know, when we first started, the India country office kept telling me, like, Pervy, like you have all these really big dreams and goals, but you have to understand that, like, this is really new to everybody who's doing it and you're going to get a lot of pushback and and it's not going to be smooth sailing and you're going to have to be patient. And I so they had kind of warned me that it would be a really rocky road. And for whatever reason, it really wasn't. You know, I think that everyone really adopted it as their own. And, um, you know, we started off originally in nine states and we thought that would be a really big undertaking. But halfway through, there were four other states in India that saw the work we were doing in the nine states and like begged to be part of the program. So instead of actually us having to like really fight to meet those numbers, we actually had to, I don't want to say turn states away, but but we did because we didn't have the resources at that time to service all of the states. And so it's really been hugely successful. Our goal in the first three years was to reach 200,000 children. So we surpassed that by like 300%, um, more than 300%. So that was really, um, really amazing. Like I, 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 like sometimes when I think about it, I, I'm shocked that we were able to, to do it. That's unbelievable. I literally like have chills thinking that that's just so incredible. And um, for phase two, what are the goals of phase two at this point? So, so phase two, because um, phase one has been such a success, we are moving away, not moving away. We are obviously going to continue servicing children without families. But um, the Indian government has asked that we make Project Lions synonymous with all of child protection in India. So now instead of only focusing on children without families, it'll be all of the top five things that children face vulnerability wise in the developing world. So it's child marriage child labor, child trafficking, um, child like online pornography and online, um, uh, I don't know what the exact word is, but like online targeting, and then mm-hmm. also children, children without families. So those are the five most vulnerable categories of children in India. And so now Project Lion is scaling up and we have, um, just like we did a full-scale model for children without families for the, for the first three years, we're now doing a full-scale model for all five of those pillars of vulnerable children. And the goal now is to reach um, 20 million children by the end of the five-year plan. No way. Do you ever look at that and you're like, how is this ever going to happen? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and you're like, it's like daunting and it's like you question it. I feel like that's like how every goal for me starts out. But that sounds like so crazy. Um, when are you going to India next? I'm going on February 6th. I'm really excited about it. I wasn't able to go a lot during COVID. So this is I'm really, really happy to be able to go back. Are you going to do anything with Project Lion while you're there? Yeah. So I go only, like, so I go for Project Lion. So I'll go with UNICEF and we'll basically visit. um, Every time I go, I visit a different state. So each state has its own um, governing properties over Project Lion. So they're all pretty similar, but, you know, obviously there's different people involved. And so I, this time, I'm going to Rajasthan, which is a state in northern India. And um, 
So I'll meet with the government agencies there that are in charge of implementing Project Line on the ground. I'll go to a bunch of the institutions and make sure that um, all of the standards that Project Line requires that they have in order to house these children are in place and all the standards are being met. I will meet um, children who have been placed out of um, institutions into family care and get to make sure that their situations that they're now living in are safe and healthy. Um, so it's really great because I get to talk to all the kids and like meet the kids and hang, spend, you know, four or five days really just like with these children who are being affected by the work of Project Lion. You're the mom of all moms. Um, <laughs> you really are. Um, when you went there when you were seven and you see this, is it common knowledge? Like, or do you have to see it firsthand for you to really be like impacted by it? I think that like, you know, if, if, you know, most people know there's poverty in India, right? Like it's a developing country. We used to call them third world countries. We now call them developing countries. But, you know, like these countries are, I think if people were asked to, to talk about the general conditions of like the average person living in these countries, I think most people would probably come up with the fact that they're very different than the average American or the average European or, or, or whatever kind of a more developed world is. But I think to really understand I mean, even just to to smell the smells and, you know, to be kind of in that kind of poverty and to see the, the rabid dogs, you know, running through mm-hmm. and to smell kind of lack of sanitation and to and to see these children who, you know, have literally no clothing on or t- torn clothing on. Like, I think that running through the streets, it's it's um it's a really hard picture to paint unless you've seen it. It's like you could see it for for two minutes and it would be a much more impactful experience than if I sat here and tried to explain it to you for 24 hours. So you have two children, Revan and Rayhan. I do. I do. How old are they? So Rayhan is 14 and he's this boy and my daughter Revan is 10 and sitting next to me and sitting next to me right now typing away. (laughs) I was gonna say is she TikToking? (laughs) No we we have have put a a limit on our TikToking. The TikToking really, was getting, it was getting out of hand. So we we have, we have. She's glaring at me as I'm saying <laughs> that, but um, but it was getting a little. It was becoming a, mu- a bit much. So now we TikTok for 15 minutes a day, and that's oh my enough. Gosh. Um, I remember you telling me that when you went to India, you actually wanted to adopt a yeah. baby, and. Can you just explain that story? Yeah. So I have always wanted to adopt, like, since I was a kid. Like, I knew I wanted to be a mom, but I always also, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have biological children, but I knew that I wanted to be a mom through adoption. And I always wanted to adopt from India because I had seen all these, you know, homeless, um, parentless children on the streets. I mean, and babies, like infants, like, you know, all ages, actually, that's not fair, but I I saw all ages. And so um, after I had my own children, my biological children, I tried really hard to adopt from India. And the adoption laws in India make it so that it is pretty much impossible to adopt a child from India if you don't live in India. Um, you can get a child after, if you want a child who doesn't have a major mental or physical disability, they will not even consider it until the children are six, six and a half years old because they want to give the biological family time to return to claim the child. So if you want, you can't get a child under the age of six and a half if you want a, if you want a healthy child, even if they're in, That's a, crazy. in an institution. It's absolutely insane. Because even if you could provide the 
a much even better if, life for them. Even wow. if you can't, there's nothing that can be done. Um, if you want a child, you know, who has a physical or mental disability, you can have a, have a baby. Um, but even that process is really, really difficult. And so it proved to be um, something that I just like wasn't able to do. And then in 2018, when I went on my first field visit through Project Lion, I met this little girl there and um, in one of the institutions. And she happened to be from the state that, um, that, that my family is from. You know, India speaks different languages in all parts of the country. So it's not that I could communicate with with all the children, but this this girl I was able to communicate with. When I went the first time, she was like an infant, so there was no real communication. But I felt, um, you know, I had, I had seen, you know, thousands of children through Project Lion. Um, but this one girl, I don't know, like really just, I just, I felt so connected to her. Um, and she was an infant at the time. Um, and she had just been dropped off on the doorstep of this, of this institution. And, mm. um, and I don't know exactly. I want to say she was maybe six weeks old, eight weeks old when I first went. And I went back, you know, throughout the years. And as she got older, um, she was able to speak, you know, and able to understand. Mm. And so I was able to communicate with her, you know, at when she was like a year old and a year and a half old. Anyway, long story short, I tried so hard um, to adopt this girl. And you would think that through UNICEF or like through my connections or through the fact that I had, had this um organization that I had founded in India that that they would be able to kind of, I don't want to say bend yeah, the rules, through, but kind of, you know, work through the system to yeah. say like, like this child was left on the doorstep. Clearly no one's coming back for her. Um, right. it's, been a, it's been a year and a half. Um, and she has a legitimate connection to this, to this person that wants her, you know, um, and they wouldn't give her to me. And, um, you know, and I, I mean, honestly, I could cry about it right now, even thinking mm. about it. It's, it's really like, I really felt like she was meant to be mine. And, um, mm. and yeah. And so anyway, happy lining of the story is that even though um, this isn't really part of Project Line, one of the things that I'm kind of on the side doing for phase two is um, reforming adoption laws in India, because I think that there are so many children who could be adopted from India and go into beautiful, happy, loving families if if the laws were a little different. So That's amazing. I was just going to say, how do you even start to change that? But obviously, you're already on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like anything else. It's like all government-based. And now I have some contacts at the federal and state level. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking to them about um, about how to reform those laws. You know, I understand kind of the the desire to keep children with their original families, you know. But like for me, I would have even said, even though, you know, I don't know if that's the best thing for the kid. It's like, I'll take her. And if two years from now, her biological mother comes back, she can have her. You know, I don't know if that would have been the right. best thing for the kid. But um, but the point just being that there's got to be ways. Because clearly, 99% yeah. of these children are not getting came back for before they're six. Because the amount of orphans in India is much is between the ages of six and 18 is, is an astronomical number. So clearly like, it's not like the orphans are babies. Everyone's coming and getting them and it's turning out fine, you know? And right. um, so it's, and it's six kind years of old a, is a long time. Like you, it's a that's long like, time. It's a long time for someone to just all of a sudden change. Decide, like, yeah, like, now, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. And even if you are ready at that point, like, Who's to say at that point that you're a better caretaker than someone else would be? It's not like you've bonded with this child for six years. It's not that you've provided for this child. At this point, you don't really have any real connection to this child. So, right. you know, why now after six years, like you're just going to assume that now this person is a is a capable and responsible caretaker? You know, it's, it's um, I don't know. I have real issues with the way that it's done. So we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to work on it. 
That's amazing. Um, have you seen her since she's been one or two years old? Since you've no, gone so back? she was so she was two, and then um, and then COVID hit, and so I okay. haven't seen her. Um, but I've like kept. Will up you with see her? her? Oh, so you have. I have kept up with her. She's um, she's still in that you know institution, and um, and she's four and a half now, and I'm mean, almost five. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens when she's six. But um, oh. but it's but it is. Um, it's a, it's a hard, I don't, I don't know if I'll get to, I mean, I'm trying, Rajasthan is a different state than Gujarat, so it's hard for me to get there while I'm right there, there. this week, but I'm going to try to take, like, it's, a, it's not super far, so I'm going to try to pop over and see her if they'll let me. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so this, act, even though you're doing so much with Project Line, this is, you also have a job, like yes. another job, <laughs> and you're an interior designer, I an am. actual unbelievable interior designer. Oh, thank you. What got you into interior designing? So um, design was something that I always loved, like something I always wanted to do. And after college, I worked in fashion. So I did in fashion and beauty. So I did like licensing for beauty brands for major fashion houses. So like Jean Barbados and Jean-Paul Gaultier, Issey Miyake, Narcisa Rodriguez. And I did all of their beauty and fragrance licensing. And then I also did all of their showroom design. And as I kind of got further and further down the line, I traveled so much for work. And so it was also kind of becoming a little prohibitive to like have a family and all of that. But anyway, um, I just like realized that the part of my job that I loved the most was the was the merchandising and the showroom design. And I was like, this is actually what I love, like more than anything else. And so I went back to school and I got my master's in interior design at Parsons um, while I was pregnant with my son. So the timing was really good because I could stop traveling and, and study. And then when I had him, um, I just kind of like without really probably doing the amount of research one should do, um, opened up a design firm. <laughs> And I've been doing interior design ever since. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and actually, Pervy offered to design my the home that I bought in Montana, and I couldn't even accept it because you were so busy. And no, I. But I try to copy what you do, so we're I, still you're fighting actually, about it. <laughs> you're inspired here everywhere. Um, oh. So, how do you actually balance mom? family, Project Lion, your job, like how do you do it all? Because I'm um, overwhelmed listening no. to you. <laughs> no, I, I, it's like so funny. Like, how do you do it all? Like, I don't think anyone does it all, right? Like, we True. all just like kind of like, we all just kind of do the best we can. But I have like so much help and I have such a great, like, I always say like it takes a village and it really does. You know, like people say that, but it's so true. Like my daughter and my son have such great groups of friends and the parents in those groups are like so great, you know, and um, always kind of like helping each other out whenever we can, like picking each other up from this or picking your kid up from that or taking your kid for the night when you need this, you know. So we have like a really great community. Um, I have an awesome nanny. I have a great husband. Like, you know, everyone kind of pitches in and helps out. And, you know, and I think that like it's just really important to me. Like there's some times when, you know, to just like do what feels the most authentic to me. Like there's weeks that'll go by and and I'm like really like entrenched in design and it's what it's what I'd have to do at that time. And that's what's, you know, for work, what's important. And then there'll be, you know, like over the summer generally, um, I don't do any creative design because I'm not in the city. And so it's harder to do it. And so like the summer is something like that I really focus on Lion and really try to like figure out the entire plan for the year and and try to do all of my meetings and, and everything for Lion over the summer. So during the year, it's much more um, kind of just making sure that it's being implemented the way that it needs to be. Um, so, you know, you just kind of like balance it and, and, and figure it out. But um, 
but I love all of it. And I can't imagine like, you know, it's like all such a big part of who I am. So I can't imagine not doing it all. Whenever I think of you, I think of, yeah, you loving your family so much and it like making like that's what kind of drives you for every other aspect of your life, which is really special. And you I look up to you for that. So you're amazing. Okay, so I wanted to get into Revan because during COVID, I remember you telling me the story of how, um, you know, everyone's indoors, sitting inside, like scared to go outside because COVID hit and, you know, every kid's playing video games and watching shows and on their phone and nonstop. And can you just explain what you did with your kids during that time? Yeah. So, you know, my son, um, it was much easier because he is somebody who is like super self-reliant. Like he, um, he plays tennis, which is more of like an individual sport and he loves like racing and he loves like airplanes and he loves all these things that, you know, um, that he could still kind of interact with and and do even during COVID. Um, and so for him, I wasn't so, so concerned about the way he was spending his time. Um, for my daughter, she's so social and so much of her interaction and how she spends her day came from interaction, you know, with other people, whether she's going to her dance team or going to her gymnastics class or having, you know, her 52 best friends over or whatever it might be, you know? (laughs) And so when she didn't have that, it really turned into like so much screen time. And, um, you know, at first it was like, okay, we're all just trying to like manage and get through like yeah. whatever, you know, do, do what yeah. you need to do. But after a while, I was like, you know, I think this is like going to go on for a while. Like she can't just yeah. like be like in yeah. the screen all day long. Um, so I, you know, kind of said to her, like, you know, we need to figure out something like how you're going to spend your time. Like, I want you to think about it. I don't need you to come up with it right now, but I want you to think about it. And she'll tell you the story. But um, like I was setting the table one day and um, we were having some friends come over sitting outside. We were fully being good and doing all the COVID things that one was supposed to. Um, but we were sitting outside and I set the table and I was like, oh, my table's kind of like blah, Revan. I don't know. Like, I'm not really feeling it. I was like, I need some color or something. She was like, okay, I'll be right back. And she like went to her, like went to this like room that we have in our in our house and created these like colorful hand-dyed napkins. And she's like, how about these, mom? And I was like, those are beautiful, Revan. Let's put those on the table. And I put them on the table and I took a picture of them and I posted Posted them on my work Instagram. And all of a sudden, I got like all these inquiries, like, where are these tie-dye napkins from? They're so pretty, whatever. And um, and all of a sudden, they're like, well, could Revan make me some napkins? Could Revan make me some napkins? And um, and I was like, Rev, like, would you want to do this? And she was like, oh my gosh, I would love to. Um, and so really, like during COVID, um, for those, I mean, really two years, like she probably spent four to five hours a day in her studio, really kind of creating this brand and filling the orders and, you know, talking to people and collaborating with them on like what they wanted and how they wanted it to look. And, you know, it grew into, so she does all this tabletop, all these tabletop things like napkins and placemats and table runners and and all of that. But it also, um, she was like, I want to grow the brand. I want to see what else I can do. So she also created this other collection of um, ceramics and, um, it's like jars and vases. She could tell you about it, but um, it has uh, she like hydro dips them, which is like some art technique. I think. So I'm looking over here because she's over here, and then she and then she like does graffiti all over them, and they're really cool actually. And so um, the brand kind of grew into that, and then she um, gives ten percent of all. Well, ten percent usually, but she's always doing like something special for like Christmas or. New Year's or whatever, um, of her proceeds to Project Lion. So it kind of comes full circle with um, 
with what I do. So that's so amazing. Can we get her on so I can ask her about? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Rev. Rev, come sit here, honey. Valley, easy. Say hi. Hi, Rev. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, you're looking so pretty. Thank you. <laughs> can you please tell me what the name of your business is? The name of my business is House of Neverland. How did you think of that name? So my mom helped me, and Never is my name backwards. So we decided to name it House of Neverland. And usually in like the branding, my the R is capital. Oh, because so your name like, is capital. Yeah. That's so cute. Um, did you ever think that creating some color for your mom's beautiful tabletops that she always designs would ever amount to your own business? No. Never in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you love most about it? It's really fun getting to like be creative, especially when the order is like artist choice. I get to like choose like what I want to do and it's really fun. Um, what is your favorite product that you sell? My favorite, like one of my favorites is like the pouches that we make. They're like a good size and like they like turn out really cute. And like, I just like really like them. No, I actually still use mine to travel with and I absolutely love it. And, um, Wait, so you? I saw recently that you teamed up with Love Shack Fancy, or in the summer you teamed up with Love Shack Fancy, which is like a massive brand. <laughs> How did that like make you feel? It was really fun and also like a big opportunity because like I've loved that brand for like a, like a really long time. And it, it was like a really fun opportunity to get to like do like Because they, I mean, I like love them too because they do a lot of tie-dye stuff as well. So you probably fit right in there. What um, <laughs> what did you do with them? Did you like sell product with them or did you did you have your own stuff in their store? What was that collaboration like? It was like a separate table on like in like their store. And like I put my stuff on the table. So when people come in, they can also look at my stuff. Really? Yeah. So you were like right there in there with them. That's amazing. That's so cool. Is this something that you love to do? Can you see it like you doing it always? It's like really fun. And like I love doing it because it like really is like so fun getting to like be creative and like do like art and all like the fun stuff I love. And like it's just like really, really cool. And you can buy everything through your Instagram or houseofneverland.com, right? Yeah. Amazing. Um, okay. And I have a question about your mom. What Okay. What do you love the most about your mom? Hmm. She's very kind. She is really kind. She's also she very TikToks patient. With you? Yes. Ooh. She, okay. Wait. We need to talk about the TikToks. So you're an amazing dancer. You're an amazing <laughs> TikToker. Thank do you. Do you ever – and your mom does the TikToks with you. Do you ever – are you coaching her? Like, mom, do this. No, this. Not really. No? She just does it? She mm -hmm. actually is really good. Definitely. Was she always good at TikToks? Yeah. And is it you that comes up with, like, the TikToks? Or is Pervy actually being like, Rev, let's do this TikTok? Like, if she sees one, like, that she likes, we'll do it. Like, we also, like, just, like, look for some sometimes. You guys are But sometimes so cool. it's just, like, natural. And we just, like, she, like, sees it. She's like, oh, Rev, we should do this one. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Um, 
I'll ask you one more question. How do you make sure you take care of your schoolwork and also your business? Like, how do you balance it? Is it like time management? Like, you're so young. It's a lot of study halls in school because I try to get a lot of my homework done at school also because of all my after schools I have to go to. And like, I get home late from like a lot of them. So it's hard to like shower and eat dinner and then also have time before my bedtime to do all of my homework. Mm -hmm. But depending on the night, I'll get some, like nights I'll get more homework and some nights I'll get less homework. So it like matters like what night it is, like what, how I'll manage it and how, what, like when I'll do it. Cause like sometimes I'll do it like before dance cause dance starts at like four and then my school ends at three. So I'll do it then. It's like different depending on like the day and how much I get. Yeah. Okay. I just have to ask your mom um, one last question, but thank you so much for okay. jumping on. I love everything you create. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Okay. So we always end the podcast with what is your mom goal for this week? Okay. So my mom goal for this week. <laughs> it could be, all, yeah. Your <laughs> one mom goal. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> because it's like funny that you asked. This is like such a funny question, right? It's like, <laughs> I know. Wait, so tomorrow night is there's this uh, hot, like a hot holiday Hanukkah party, okay? At at for all for Revan and all of her friends at at one of the friends' houses, and like all of these moms like show up to these parties with like they've been cooking all day or they've been whatever and they have like this gorgeous tray of food that they've brought, you know, and, and I'm like always rushing in like a hot mess with like one handbag or like whatever and like my like store-bought cookies or whatever, you know. And so my mom goal tomorrow is to like show up at this party like on time with like some kind of beautiful thing to add to the, to the holiday spread. Oh my gosh. Are you... <laughs> That's so perfect, actually. That's perfect, Mongol. Because, you know, I'm I want, like, I can't wait to see what it is. Can you text me well, a picture you of said, it? You said that I do it all. Like, that's like what I don't do, right? Like, oh, okay. I don't, like, I don't cook. Like, I don't, I don't, like, those are the things I don't do. Like, you, something has to get, right? So, like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not the mom that brings, like, the homemade lasagna. The platter. The, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm the mom who brings, like, the box of Dunkin' Donuts. So, um, and next. that's probably the best one. Right. I, and I feel like the kids are totally happy, but I do feel like I'm being secretly judged a little bit. So, no. So tomorrow, I'm going to show up with some healthy, beautiful thing to add. Um, can you promise to send me a picture of what it is? Yes, I will send you a picture, but it might be a box of Dunkin' Donuts. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It's a goal. I, I know it doesn't mean that it's happening. <laughs> I love that so much. And... Um, Okay, we're done. Thank you so much. You're so amazing. Thank you for having me. Of course. That was such an amazing conversation with Herbie. Every time I talk to her, I'm blown away by all that she's doing for all the children in the world. And thank you so much for Reb as well. I love hearing about her business. My mom goal for this week is to find a nanny. I've been searching for one. And actually, my babysitter ghosted me two days ago. So now I need a new one. Okay, thanks so much for listening. I'll see you again next week. This has been Mom Goals with Allie Long. Please like, rate, and review. Mom Goals is a Gallery Media Group production.